Insecurity is one of those areas that is a big deal for many of us. I'm a guy's guy, okay? I'm a guy. I like to cry. I like football. I like trucks. I like that kind of stuff. But I got to be honest this morning that I also, like many of us, struggle at times with insecurity. Insecurity is one of those areas in our lives that if it is left unchecked, it is left to continue, it can help to keep us spiritually and physically and everything else immature. And it's got to be dealt with or else it will continue that. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul tells us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I got news for you this morning. As believers, we should think differently than we did before we were Christians, right? We should think differently. Uh, Continually, we should think differently than we did before, than other people do who are not believers. Now, for many of us, you've been Christian for so long, you're like, well, I don't ever really know. I wasn't a Christian, so I've always thought this way. But again, we need to think differently. That, that's the truth this morning. Thinking differently should cause us to live differently. Now here's the rub this morning. Is that you can be saved and still think like an unsaved person. That's why Paul wrote this passage right here. That's the idea behind it is that you can be saved and still think like an unsaved person. That's why he said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. It is our choice. You can post on Facebook just like the world. You can deal with problems just like the world. Believers can and do sometimes deal with life just like the world does. God's called us to live differently, to live different lives. That does not mean that he's called us to go and to go to a Christian bookstore and buy testaments, you know, and only, only eat at, at, at Chick-fil-A because that's Christian chicken. You know, that's not what he talks about. He's called us to live differently, and so much of that starts with a battle in our minds. To be not conformed, but to be transformed by the renewal of your minds. So you can believe in God. You can believe God's good, you can believe God has saved you, that you can believe all these things, but still choose to keep your day-to-day life untransformed. You can do that. The problem is you won't be a very good Christian. You'll be acting much like Jesus. And so this is what I want to start with today. God does not control our thoughts. Neither does the enemy. The idea that, you know, the devil made me do it. Sorry, kids, it does not work. You can't give it that, that to your parents say, the devil made me do it. Sorry, mom and dad. It doesn't work that way. There is no way that God does that. I think God could control our thoughts, but he doesn't because God has given us the chance to have a free will to choose what direction we go in. And we can choose good. We can choose wrong. We can choose those things. God's given us that kind of a freedom. You are the gatekeeper of your minds. Isaiah 26, 3 shows us, you will keep him in perfect peace whose what? Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. When it comes to your minds, 
you decide what comes in, what stays, and what gets the boots. That's what this is talking about here this morning. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul describes our role as taking every thought captive to Christ. Now, when I hear that scripture, I think of a checkpoint. Now, let me illustrate checkpoint this morning. When I was a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for much of my ministry in the Detroit area. The Detroit area is very close to Canada. And uh, I remember one time, my brother Jason came over and said, I want to go to Canada. You know, it was like, it's like 40 minutes away. So we drove in, and here it is, and we drove back out. You know, it's pretty exciting. But we would oftentimes go to Canada for, you know, they had a great beach over there. Uh, they also was an easy way to, to, to cut through to the, to, the, to the East Coast. And so uh, one time, I was leading a trip to Boston, a missions trip to Boston, and I warned my kids before the checkpoint, I said, guys, no one is allowed to tell any jokes about guns or bombs or whatever else, you know. If you're tempted to do that, just stop. Don't do it. This is serious business. Don't do that. And the reason why I would warn that beforehand is because my friend, another youth pastor in Detroit, didn't do that. And he had a terrible experience. Uh, you know what's coming. This, he was going to the checkpoint, going into Canada from uh, the U.S., and one of his students in the back, and some, you know, some smart kid in the back, yells out, Hey, our, our, our leader has, has bombs in the back and told us not to tell you. And of course the kid's joking around thinking he was being funny. The problem was the guard didn't find that also very funny. So what the guard did is he stopped the van and pulled over, put the youth pastor in handcuffs, uh, you know, they had armed guards all around searching every inch of the, of the van and the trailer, asking questions, questioning all these kids, questioning the kid that said this whole thing. Why did you say that? What would you do to say that? The youth pastor is trying to convince these guards it was a joke. This is what that kid does as he's gritting his teeth wanting to get rid of that kid. I mean, it's, it's a big deal what happened. Why? Because those guys are serious about their checkpoints. Nothing gets in and nothing gets out without them knowing about that. That's the idea here in this passage. God has called us to put checkpoints up in our minds to guard against the enemy's ways and the enemy's darts and the enemy's thoughts from continuing to find themselves and find their ways in our lives. That's what God's called us to do. I may say, well, that sounds like a lot of work, Pastor Steve. The reality is this. It's a lot simpler than it sounds. Because the more I allow God to transform my mind, the more I get his word in my heart, the more I get his word in my mind, the more I read it, the more I study it, the more I, I, I kind of spend time with it, think about it, let it change me, the more I find these checkpoints in my life. When the enemy tries to throw darts and tries to throw things, I say, no, that's not what God wants. It's not what God's called. That's not truth because God's word has changed us and God's word has made us. That's what Paul's talking about here when he says that. That is valuable, that is important, and that is huge. And the reason why many believers continue to live untransformed lives is because we've missed that huge part of being a Christian. So many believers live their lives without spending time in the word, spending time in the, his presence, spending time in prayer, spending time getting to know God and being in his presence. So many of us miss that. So many of us fail to do that. And as a result, we have continuously been untransformed. And folks, there is this morning a better way. There's a better way. 
God's called us to a better way. And all of this filters back. And when we live without checkpoints, we become, as James says, we talked about it a few weeks ago, we become unstable in all of our ways. Or we become insecure. And insecurity is one of the ways that this plays out in our spiritual lives. We become insecure. Now, there's a few ways that insecurity shows up in our life. The first one is complete insecurity. This is the person that is insecure about everything. Their looks, they're insecure about their, their, their faith, their friends. They're insecure about their car is going to blow up. They're insecure about flying on a plane. They're, just, they're insecure about everything. When I was a, a young teen, my grandma used to reach out to some ladies, and, and, and I don't know how she found them, but she found them somehow. But they just had some issues. And one of these ladies was this certain lady. I won't tell, say her name. Not that she'll ever hear this, but I won't say her name. Uh, this lady was completely insecure. When I, I, was, I was with my grandma one time. She was ministering this lady. I, I walked into her house, and her entire house is covered in plastic. There's plastic on the floor. There's plastic on all of the couches. And some of you guys are like, well, that's what I do too. But anyway, there's plastic on the couches. She had plastic uh, uh, gloves on all the door handles. And so when you open the door, she would come behind you with plastic gloves on, pull the old one off, and put a new one on the door handle. Because she was afraid of germs. She was insecure about getting sick. Now, you're like, well, that is crazy. That's not me. That's good. The problem is, is that many of us, while maybe we're not completely insecure, we're number two, we are situationally insecure. This is a big deal for a lot of us. We are insecure in some way. Something's happened or something has gone on or something has happened in our lives that's caused us to be insecure about a certain area. This is the reality this morning, church. That God has called not just part of you. He's not asked to give you just the good parts, or the bright parts, or the wonderful parts. No, he's called us to give him every single part. And we give him every single part of our lives. He has promised to help us to be transformed and change even those darkest parts. Some of us have very deep situational insecurity. I dated a girl in, in college once who, uh, we went to one of these restaurants. It was one date. Went to those restaurants that's like has a menu that's the size of like the book of something, like the book of Psalms. You know, it's just super long. You need like a, a, a table of contents to go through the whole thing. You know, those kind of places, it's got, they got tacos, they got spaghetti, you know, they got steak, they got chicken, they got this and that. It was a long menu. And this girl was going through and could not figure out what she wanted to eat. She was like, well, maybe I want tacos, maybe I want chicken, maybe I want this. And, you know, the, the waiter came and went like three or four times and she still wasn't ready. And I was getting a little impatient. I like to make decisions. Like, I'm like, okay, pick something. And so I'm like, look, you, you got to pick something. And so I'm getting a little frustrated. So she picked something. I don't remember what it was, but she picked something. And the waiter comes back and she orders and I order and he leaves and kind of brings our food back. And she says, oh, I should have gotten tacos. You know, that's what she really wanted, but she didn't, she couldn't make a decision. She was in situationally insecure about ordering food from this certain restaurant. See, many of us feel and see areas of our lives that are just like that. They are situationally insecure. Here's a moment of honesty this morning. Situational insecurity hits pastors super hard. If you're a pastor, if you're in ministry in some way, you go to a conference or you go to a meeting or whatever else, and the first question many pastors ask about other pastors is say, 
How many people you got? You know, how are things going? What is, what's going on? What new cool things are you doing? You know, they go through this stuff and it's not great news. You begin to feel a little bit insecure. Maybe I'm not that good of a pastor. Maybe I'm not that good of a job. Maybe I should quit. Maybe I should go sell insurance. Maybe I should work for UPS. You know, we, we, we go through those things. And I think you can relate too, can't you? Many of us equate our value and equate the, our, our, our life and what God's called us to with what we do, not with who we are. I am valuable because of what I do. I'm valuable because of what I bring to the table, and that's it. And we equate value, we equate a security with what we can bring to the table, and that's not the way God's called us to be. You can relate this morning. We want people to, to like us, to respect us, to honor us, but it's not happening we become like a deer with a, an arrow in our hind parts. We become wounded. We become hurt. We become confused. We become angry. We become insecure. And oftentimes, insecure people became, make other people insecure as well. This is a big deal, church. It's a huge deal this morning. This is what we, we have to deal with if we're going to move forward as mature believers in Christ. See, oftentimes, to deal with this, we look for, for security in areas that are not able to produce security. Now, this is one of those areas that we can get tripped up on very easily because it's such a basic truth about the Christian life. We'd say, well, of course, I know I can't find security in blah, blah, blah. I know that. I know my security is found in Christ. But think about it this morning. When you feel most insecure, what so often is the go-to place for you in your life? Is it Jesus? Is it your walk with God? For many of us, it's not. We take God out of the equation and we find security in places that cannot produce it. They almost produce it. They sometimes feel like they produce it, but they can't produce it in the long run. We go to places like money. Money is a top place we try to find. People put a lot of time and effort and money into their jobs and their stocks and their things. There's even a, a, a financial tool called securities, you know. But we know that money falls, the stocks fall, stocks go up, stocks change. Money's not a good place to do that. Maybe it's looks. I got news for you some this morning. If you're a young person, you have a full head of hair, this is what you had to look forward to right here. Okay, it all changes. I had a beautiful head of hair back in the day. I had a mullet for Pete's sake back in the old day. You know, things change. Things change. If we put our effort, we put our security in how we look, it's not going to stay the same forever. It can't possibly do that. Maybe friends are your security. I've met a lot of people that say, man, my friends mean everything to me. And you know what? That's a good thing. Friends are huge. Friends are important. Put a lot of time, put a lot of effort into great, solid, long-lasting friendships. It means a big deal. Guys and ladies, you need to have friends. You need to have people that speak into your life, that care about you. That is so important. The problem is, is that every friend I've ever had has a huge problem. They're just like me. They're human. People will fail you. People will not say the right thing. They'll not do the right thing sometimes. Sometimes they won't have the right attitude, and they might fail you. If you're trying to find security in your friendships, you are in for a long haul. It's going to be difficult, you see. This morning, here's the truth. Outside of God, complete insecurity is literally impossible. Again, basic thing, yes. But if you look at our lives, and I see this with 
three fingers pointing back at me, okay? I, I really mean it this morning. If we look at our lives and our decisions and the things that we actually do sometimes, we know this in our minds, we know this in our hearts. back. It's been said before, I don't even need a mic usually. I can usually be loud enough that I don't need a mic. But we'll do a mic this morning so my voice will last. I can cheer for the Vikings later on. But, uh, you, you know, the, the reason why is that everything is susceptible to failure for reasons why I just talked about. We live in a fallen world, don't we? We live in a world where there will be trouble, there will be difficulty, there will be frustrating things. It is going to happen. If we put a lot of time in things that are going to fail, we put a lot of time in things that have the chance and the penchant to make us sense and feel that we are going to be insecure. And all of us deal with it differently. Some of us, we're insecure, we get quiet, we kind of clam up and get shy and such. Or some of us, if you're like me, uh, we tend to get a little louder and a little more abrasive and a little more <laughs> frustrating and a little more annoying, my wife might say. You, you know, that's how we deal with it. But the truth this morning is this, is that insecurity is an opportunity. Insecurity is an absolutely wonderful opportunity. It's an opportunity for God or it's an opportunity for the enemy this morning. It's an opportunity for God. It's an opportunity for the enemy this morning. It's an opportunity to grow or it's an opportunity to die. That's why it's of ultimate importance for us to take every thought captive to Christ. Insecurity can be the turning point in our lives to the good direction or it can be the moment at which we, it, it contributes to our further downward trajectory. The latter is exactly what King Saul experienced. King Saul was the first king of Israel. You open, open your Bibles this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And this story comes from these two chapters. I'm not going to read it this morning. I'm going to give you like the Cliff's Notes this morning of, of this story today. Because it's a long one. But I encourage you to open your Bibles this week and read the story of King Saul and King David. The calling of King Saul. It's a fascinating story found in 1st, 2nd Samuel. And it's, it's a challenging thing because it talks this morning about this exactly thing we're talking about this morning. It talks so well about insecurity. And I'll start because Israel wanted a king. Israel had a king. The king was God. Israel had a king and God was good. Israel had prophets. They had judges. They had a system God set up. And it was a good system. And God said, said, Israel, come on, I'm your king. I'm a good king. And they just looked around and they said, hey, every other nation has kings except for us. And so Israel wanted a king. And where it started was it started with comparison. See, so often comparison is the open door to insecurity. That so often happens in my life. When I look around and everybody else, man, they got this car. They got this thing. They got that thing. They got this. Man, they're good at this job and I'm bad at that. They're good at this and I'm bad. We compare ourselves with everybody else. And comparison is an open door to insecurity. If you want to nip insecurity, you have to start with nipping your comparing hearts. That's what Israel was doing. Israel compared themselves and said, these nations have kings. We want one too. And so God said, fine, if that's what you want, I'll give you one. 
But God first said, let me warn you what's going to happen. What's going to happen if you get a king, your king's going to turn on you. Your king is going to expect money and expect time, expect your, your effort. You're going to work, work, work for your king. You'll get nothing in return. That's what's going to happen. If you still want a king, I'll give you a king. And they said, yes, we want a king. So God calls Saul. Saul was big. He was a fantastic warrior. He was good-looking, kind of like me. You know, I mean, he was a great leader. He was always, no, I'm just kidding. He was a wonderful guy. He had all kinds of great qualities. I mean, the guy was heads and shoulders, the Bible says, above everybody else. King Saul was a perfect choice, except King Saul was hopelessly insecure. You read through the story of King Saul, it becomes so evident of Saul's insecurity. Saul had issues. Saul had things going on. And, and, and Saul was, again, at first talented. He, was, he, was, he had lots of possibility. But we watch his life slowly go down and down and down and down. I find, as I read the story, I find times like in watching a movie when the good, the good guy's about to go into a, a room when you know it's behind that door. And you're like, stop, stop, don't go there. And he opens the door anyway, and there is his demise. That's King Saul. You say, Saul, stop. Saul, can't you see? Saul, can't you see what's going on? You are in for a, a huge, huge issue, but Saul continues to go. And rather than secure his insecurity and turn to God, King Saul turned to anger, and so much so that 1 Samuel 15, 11 says this, I regret that I've made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and not performed my, my, my commandments. It's a sad state of affairs, isn't it? When God says, man, I am sorry that I made Saul king. It's gotten that bad. It's gotten that terrible. King Saul was in a bad situation. So God called a new king. God called on Samuel to call anoint a new king. He anointed King David. And King David was the opposite of Saul. Now, David had problems. But David was a man of God, a man after God's own heart, and a man that loved God with all of his heart. King David was the king in, in waiting. And instead of Saul having taken this opportunity to leave a lasting legacy and things could have been good, Saul got jealous and Saul got angry. And Saul wanted David killed. So the Bible goes on and talks about how this story unfolds. And, and, and his life, Saul's life just collapses like a, like a 90s pop star. I mean, his life just is destroyed. We can learn a lot from King Saul. Here's seven signs of insecurity from Saul's life. I'll show you today. We can, we can learn from and see that these are things that I don't want to be found in my life. The first one this morning is this. He was unteachable and unapproachable. No one could tell Saul anything. No one could tell Saul, this is what's happening in your life. Saul, turn around, change it, because if you did that, Saul wanted you dead. There was times when people tried to warn Saul, and he wouldn't listen. That's the danger of unsecured insecurity. We don't listen to people around us, and we don't allow them to speak into our lives. Number two, he was jealous and envious. This comes out on the heels of a great victory in, in Saul's country. You see, Saul had an enemy named Goliath. He was a strong enemy. No one could beat him until David came along. This young boy, David, took a few small stones out of the river and spun, spun it around. And the Bible says that those, those stones sunk in a, into Saul's head and Saul was down. For the first time, Saul, Saul had victory through David. It could have been an amazing thing. It could have been awesome. Goliath was killed. 
Instead, though, of Saul rejoicing and being happy, what happens, what we see is, and that is, David comes back into the city, and, and he actually killed, killed his, 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 his warrior, he killed this, 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 this giant named Goliath. What happened was, uh, Saul uh, got angry as the people said, man, Saul has killed his thousands, David, David has killed his tens of thousands. And they were happy, they threw a ticker tape parade because of the cool things David did, and, and Saul wanted David killed instead of rejoicing about it. It makes us jealous, and it makes us envious. Listen up, guys and folks, but guys, especially this morning, if your ego is so fragile that nobody else can win except for you, you have to look up and say, I have an issue. I remember when I was in high school, and I was, I was, uh, uh, I was, I was umping a, a, a baseball game and I had some, some parents that, it was some 10-year-olds, and I was like, I'm going to call the strikes close because I want to get out of here tonight. And so I was calling them close, and this dad is just yelling at me. That's not a strike. Come on up. Get some glasses. I mean, he was going on and on and on about the situation, and he could not bear the sight of his son, his 10-year-old son, losing a game. If your life is so wrapped up in your 10-year-old son's baseball game where you cannot lose without having an issue, you need to look up and say, maybe I need to change some things in my life. Number three, blame transfer. In 1 Samuel 15, Saul was given specific instructions to destroy the Amalekites, yet he did not follow as told by God. We'll get into why in a minute this morning, but the reality this morning is this, is that Saul blamed the people because they were going to get angry and upset because if he'd followed the way God had him do things. He blamed somebody else. He transferred the blame and did not take it on his shoulders for his own mistake and error. Number four, control issues. Saul had control issues. First and 2 Samuel are littered with Saul's control issues. There's one point in which Saul uh, was so angry at David that he took an arrow and threw it at him, missed him, but threw it at him. Now, that is control issues, right? I mean, that's some serious issues. Saul had those things. And number five is anger and emotional instability. Saul had some epic anger moments. See the above situation. Number six, spiritual compromise. King Saul, at one point in his, in his life, things got so bad that instead of consulting God and consulting the prophets that God had given him, Saul consulted the witch at Endor. And Saul began to ask her questions, say, man, you know, what, I, what should I do here? And he consulted this witch, and she told him the things that she should do. And it got so bad, and things got bad at a whole other level when Saul compromised spiritually. And I've seen so often in my life in ministry when people are struggling with insecurity, they struggle with doing things God's way. And we begin to change and morph and begin to become something different than we thought we would be before. It starts so often with spiritual compromise in our lives. The last one today is this, fear of man. When Saul failed to do the right thing after messing up with the Amalekites, Saul was scared of the people. Saul was terrified that they were going to cause a revolt and they were going to rise up against him. So Saul, again, transferred blame and blamed somebody else for his own mistake and his own error. See, the, many of us nowadays, and this is a huge thing nowadays for us, we get to the place where we want people to like us. Man, I want people to like me. I really do. I want people to like stuff I put on Facebook. I want people to, to like who I am and, and, and like me. The problem is this this morning. We get so stuck and so caught up with people liking us, we find ourselves too easily and too easily distracted by, by letting things go and letting, our, letting our, our character and letting our integrity go. 
We let things happen. We let things change because we are so caught with people liking us and want to be approved by people. Folks, I want people to like me, but I do not want people to like me at the, at the, at the, at the expense of my character and my integrity. And I hope this morning you're the same way too. God's called people to be strong in the word and strong in his presence and know him and know about him and love people unconditionally and love people with a, with a heart that says, man, I will do anything for you except I will not bend on my characteristics. I will not bend on what I believe God's told me to be. I will not compromise in the word. That's how we help people. Church, insecurity will cost us. Now, you may say this morning, man, I have some of those things in my life. You see, here's the deal today. i got to say this, that we all struggle with one of these areas at some point in our lives. I can think of times in my life I said, man, i got that, 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 and that. Those happen in our lives. But when these things become not mistakes, but they can become traits, like in Saul's case, these things went from being mistakes to becoming traits in his life. We can see as a pattern throughout First and Second Samuel, we have to rise up and say, God, help me find my security in you. Because insecurity will cost us. So the question comes, what do we do about it this morning? Turn your Bibles today to Psalms chapter 91. Psalms 91, we're going to read that this morning. And Psalms 91 is an amazing chapter. You know, there's some chapters in the Word that are famous. You've got the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. You've got the, the faith chapter in, in Hebrews this morning. This right here is a security chapter. And if you're going through a time of insecurity in your life, I challenge you to get to know this chapter of the Word. It is a huge, awesome blessing. It is a promise. It is a, a prescription for insecurity. It's an amazing thing. Study, memorize, and know this chapter. Verse 1 today is this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I want to pause there for a moment this morning. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The first question we've got to ask is, what is the secret place? Jesus answers that question in Matthew 6, 6, when he says, but when you pray, go to your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. See, Jesus answers the question where he says the secret place is when you get alone with God and you can spend time in his presence and know him and worship him, study his word, memorize his word, allow him to speak into your life. The thing, this thing starts here by saying live in this place and you will live under God's sheltering. Study his word. How do I, how do, I do this this morning? Here's, the, here's three things that you need to start doing. The first one is communication with God all day long. Not just in the morning, not just a quick middle minute for the morning, we got to get started, but communication with God all day long. Getting his word, pray, being able to speak, speak to him. And number, number two is study and memorize God's word. If you're not memorizing God's word, you are missing out on such an amazing blessing. I want to encourage you today to pick some scriptures you don't have to study an entire chapter. Study one verse. Study two verses. Start someplace, but start someplace. Study and memorize God's word. And then number three, think about it and take action on it. 
I can't tell you the times in my life when my, my devotions have been so huge and <laughs> what I've been going through that day. And God's called me to a place of decision. And my decision was tempted to say, I don't know, man. That sounds too tough. I'm not sure I can do that, God. But then when I act on his word and do what he's called me to do, my life changes for the better. I want to encourage you this morning to not just read it but take action this morning with his word. God is not merely our lifeline. Now, he is a life. He is the lifeline. But it's not his only thing. So often we have this, this attitude that says, well, God, you're good. I love you. I'll go to church. I'll sing. I'll do those things. But, you know, I'll see you when I, need, when I have trouble. And then when I have trouble, God, then I'm going to give my life over to you. Then I'll say, God, help me. I need help this morning. That's a lifeline type of thing. That's not what God's called us to. He's called us to not to drop the lifeline and get into his boat and ride the waves and ride life with him as our captain, with him ministering and working in our lives. That's the kind of life that will help us to avoid insecurity. We're in God's boat. We're dwelling, as this word says, dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. Let's continue today. Verse 2, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now, this is a confession of a person who is living in security. Now, here's the truth this morning. Is I don't always feel like this is true, right? You don't either. There are times in my life when I don't feel like God is my fortress and my refuge, my God whom I trust. But yet, church, this is the kind of thing we need to do. Sometimes God's called us to stop and to speak in faith and say, God, right now I'm struggling. Right now I'm insecure. Right now things are tough. But I trust in you. Lord, I give you my life. I give you my heart. Lord, I trust you. Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I am speaking this in faith. So often when we're, when we're in a place of insecurity, we're in a place where we look so heavily and look so much at the stuff that's happening around us. We say, oh, God, I have this and I have this. And we speak things into existence that are just so tough and so difficult and so wrong. And we forget to speak the truth of God's word, that he is able, that he is in control. And sometimes, church, we got to stop. we got to say, Lord, I know my situation. I know what's going on. But, God, I know you're bigger than this. You are my God. You are faithful. You are my sure and strong foundation. And I will trust in you. I speak that. The church, the best medicine for the lies of the enemy, the best medicine for garbage is the, is the truth of God's word. To find your secret place. And I will say, I will say with my mouth, not just think it, I will say it. Lord, my, my God, my fortress, my refuge in whom I trust. I will speak that out. Now listen, as we continue on here. Listen to the promises that the bank, bank account this morning. Listen to the promises that follow secret place and confession. Verse 3, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Verse 4, he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. Verse 5, you will, you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the errors that fly by day. Verse 6, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near to you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your drilling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague shall come near your tents. For he will command his angels concerning you in all your ways. 
On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. For you will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Church this morning, is that the kind of life that you want to live? Is that the kind of thing God has told us, God has shown us, if you're feeling insecure, go to my secret place, confess who I am, and then the, the blessings of the God, the blessings of God's word, blessings of God's truth will follow those two things in our lives. Church, we need people that get how this works. If we're going to move forward as a church, if we're going to see our city one to Christ, we need people that know how to get into God's presence. We need people that know how to pray, how to seek his face. We need people that know how to confess and say, God, this is who you are. Lord, I trust you bigger and better than my situation. God, I know that the blessing of God is going to follow when I do those things because you have promised that in your word. We need people that not only read these promises, but get these promises. Who can point to a life and a testimony of God doing these things. See, it matters this morning, church, because we have the capacity and strength to be a blessing to the world. And we can be, and we will be, and we, we should be when we allow God to take apart, take away our insecurity. Again, band, come up, come out this tonight, this morning. I want to close with a a story today, and, and again, I, I get in many ways insecurity, and the reason why I get insecurity is because I have in my life struggled heavily with, with insecurity. And one of those areas is through my speech, and, I, and again, I'm, I'm not going to get through the whole thing right here this morning, but I, I couldn't think of, uh, of any other way to close this out this morning, and for many years, I've struggled heavily with my speech. I, I have some things, and I've gone through counseling. I've gone through some therapy and such. So I'm getting to understand it a little more. But, but when I was a kid, I had a terrible, terrible stuttering problem. And God called me to ministry. And I'm telling you what, I fought it tooth and nail. And the reason why, because I was like, God, who would ever want to listen to a pastor that speaks the way that I do? I can't do it. I won't do it. Forget you, God. I'm not going. And I struggled, and I fought, and I fought, and I fought, until finally God got a hold of my heart and said, Steve, you go. If you go, I will send you, and if I send you, I will provide a way for you to do it. And I'll tell you something this morning, church, is I, I remember in college, there was a, a moment when I was struggling especially, and people, I had one person I, I knew well in my life, I respected, who had confided in someone I knew that said, how could Steve ever be a pastor? Because, because he can't talk very well. So how is he going to preach? No one's going to want to hear this guy. And I, I got back to that it happened. And I'm telling you what, it crushed me with, to my core. I was so frustrated. And I, I, was, I went to a chapel one day in North Central, and I was down in the front. I was kneeling, I was praying, and I was like, God, I'm going to quit. I'm going to give up. I'm going to go sell insurance or whatever. I, Lord, I'm, I'm going to quit. I remember one of the... One of the professors, Dr. David Nichols, came up to me that morning and not beside me, put his arms around my shoulders, and began to pray God's, God's blessing over me. You know what he prayed over me? He prayed his word over me. And all of a sudden, my life went from being this terrible wreck and totally insecure and totally frustrated and ready to quit and so, so done with things to hearing this word and hearing him pray these things and hearing him say these things in my ear. And my life changed that morning. I can still remember the moment sitting at the altar. I can remember it like, like, it, was, like it was yesterday. Hearing him pray those prayers over me, church this morning, God has got good things in store for us, but we have to let go of our insecurity. 
We've got to let go of the things in our lives that are holding us back. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You are holding on to an area of your life that is incredibly insecure. And maybe nobody else knows about it. No one else can point to because it's between you and God. And it's causing you to feel and sense a, 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 a huge hopelessness and insecurity. And God's called you to live above those things and allow him to secure your insecurity this morning. Are you willing to give him every part of your life? I look back at my life and think, how different things would have been if I had not that morning gone and said, God, okay, I'll go. I would have married my wife. I would have the biggest blessing in my life. If I met my wife because of ministry, I, I'd be, my whole life I have because I've been in ministry. I'd have missed out on all those things. And some of us are missing out on things that God's called us to because we're allowing and we're holding on to some area and place of insecurity that is there. And maybe you have a good reason for it. I had a good reason. I couldn't talk. That's a pretty good reason. But God is bigger. God is stronger. God is greater. And at the church this morning, we need people that know that the truth of that is more than just thinking it and more than just saying it. But they've experienced how God has changed them and pulled them out of the insecurity and given them security in him. The reality this morning is this, is that if God has something good for your life, it might take you pouring some things out and saying, God, I can't do it, but I trust and I believe that you can. And that is the the truth that I choose to believe. The enemy will throw things in your face. You can't do this. You're too ugly, or you're too stupid, or you can't talk right, or you can't do this, or you're too poor, or you're too rich, or you're too bald, or you're too whatever. He'll throw things in your face. If you say, yes, that's right, guess what? He has just won the war. And you will live your life in insecurity. But on the flip side, if you'll go and you'll get into a secret place, you'll say, God, I can't do this, but I know that you can. You speak his word, and you say, God, I know what the enemy says, but this is your word that I choose to believe. Then the word says the blessings will follow. Is that an accident? Is that just by kind of happenstance? No. That's the way God's called us to live our lives. Church, if we're going to win the battle between our ears, if we're going to win the battle of insecurity and security in Christ, it's possible. It can happen. It should happen. And And this scripture here gives us the way to do it. Church, don't let the enemy tell you anymore that you cannot do it because you can, because God can do it in you in your life. Bow your heads, close your eyes this morning. Bow your heads, close your eyes. No one looking around today. I want to pray a prayer. I want to pray a prayer over you this morning. Jesus, I, I pray over this church today, Jesus. I ask you, Lord God, to minister and work in Bridgeview Church, Jesus. Lord, there are things, God, there are people. Lord, there are ministries. There are things, God, sitting in the seats today, Lord. God, as you've called to, but yet Jesus are being held back because, Lord, people have chosen to believe the, 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 the lies of the enemy. Lord, call us out of those things. And Jesus, let it not just be some crazy thing, but Lord, we know what you've called us to. God, you've called us to win. Lord, you've called us to minister. You've called us, Lord, to make a difference in our community, Jesus. Lord, I don't want to believe this is the word of the enemy that says we can't because of this or that. I want to believe you, Jesus. And I pray this morning over the people in this room, God, that are insecure, 
Lord, maybe they're insecure over their speech. They're insecure, Lord, over their, their ability to talk or their ability to, to communicate or tell their friends about you or to whatever it might be, God. I pray over that right now, Jesus, and I pray instead your word of truth, your word of blessing. I pray, God, this week as they spend time on your words, I pray this week, Lord, as we open up your Bible and spend time in your presence, that, God, this would be the best week we've ever experienced in you. Church, stand this morning if you could. All across this room, stand up. All across this room this morning, stand up. And I want to I ask you today one more time this morning. If you've got an issue in an area, heads bowed, eyes closed. You've got an issue this morning in an area that you are, you are feeling and sensing an area of insecurity in your life, and you want it gone, in Jesus' name, I want to ask you to raise your hand right now. Saying, man, I'm insecure. I'm insecure. This is an area that I'm insecure about. My finances, my job, my money, my whatever it might be. Raise your hand. There's hands going all across this room this morning. And if you're honest this morning, a lot of us would need to raise our hands because we are people that are insecure. But we serve a God who is bigger and who is greater. Hands up this morning. Keep your hands up. I want to pray with you this morning. Jesus, I pray over each person with their hands up raised this morning. God, there are ministries here. Lord, there are givers here, Jesus. There are people here, Lord, with their hands raised and says, Lord, I want something bigger and greater, but God, this thing is holding me back. Lord, I pray in your name, Lord Jesus, that it would be broken in Jesus' name. Lord, it would be, be gone. Lord, you'd speak life. You'd speak truth. You'd speak the word into their lives. And God, change us and make us and mold us. If you raise your hand, this is what I want to challenge you to do this week. Don't walk out of this morning. If you raise your hand, do this this week. Take some time. Get into God's presence and say, Lord, I don't know a lot, but I know this much. I want to know you. I want freedom from this thing. Get into his presence. Get the secret place. Speak truth over that situation. If you're insecure about whatever it might be, go to the word, find scriptures about it, and begin to read those scriptures and speak them over your life, and then trust God for the blessing and the promise to come. It may may come differently than you think it's going to come, but it will come because God has called us to a place of security in him.